our, our byline or tag is growing in the apostolic legacy. And we have a tremendous history. This church has a tremendous legacy of great leaders, pastors, uh, great individuals that came through and are a part of this church. And we uh, hopefully are growing. And right now it's hard to know how much we're growing because we have people log on and we hope that uh, when time comes, some will be able to come. New people will want to be baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. And so uh, we are apostolic and we try to <clears throat> make sure that we talk about the, what the apostles preached and the apostles' doctrine and revival and fellowship. And uh, we may not be able to be as close of fellowship, whether it's house to house or whether it's uh, uh, we have to spread the tables further apart in the, in the gym or whatever we do later. But you know what? We believe in being together and encouraging one another like a family. And today I am going to talk about perilous times because I think we all know we feel like we're living in perilous times. And the Bible uses that phrase perilous times. It's kind of like a danger sign. It's kind of sort of like, you know, a, a big uh, red letter, white letter on a red background, danger. And then underneath, you know, so many volts, danger, whatever it might be, or danger of death on a, on a yellow sign there. And I know that those signs are there. And we're going to talk about some of those signs. Signs specifically that Jesus referred to, although Paul wrote about these perilous times. Where I got the word perilous was from Paul's writing to 2 Timothy. In 1 Timothy, he told Timothy, he said, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times men, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to, and he said, seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Paul warned Timothy, his son in the gospel, that in the latter times, people were going to be seduced and they were going to be uh, giving, listening to doctrines of devils. In 2 Timothy, in the second letter that he wrote to Timothy, he said it like this, this know also that in the last days, like he had written in the first letter, but this time he uses the word perilous, Perilous times shall come for men. And then he talks about what they're going to have. Lovers of their own selves, covetous, co boasters, proud, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, lovers of pleasure, more, having a form of godliness. And you can read several verses there on through verse 4, 5, whatever in first in 2 Timothy, the third chapter, that will indicate that he was talking about things that we could point to the list and go, well, I've seen disobedient to parents. I've seen proud. I've seen lovers of pleasure. I've seen having a form of godliness. I've seen, I've seen, I've seen. And yet now we would say, wow, we are living in those perilous times. That word perilous in Greek, me is halopas, halopas, uh, which means troublesome or dangerous or harsh or fierce 
or stressful or savage. And I think we could all say, I'm living in a stressful time, in a dangerous time, in a harsh time, in a savage time. And all of a sudden, COVID has just turned the heat up around the world. And then it's like more and more and more. In fact, I, I was, uh, when I woke up this morning, I was just going through the news and they said that a large Asian hornet has now invaded Washington state and it's ripping the heads off of bees. And they don't know uh, if it was brought here uh, on purpose or if the winds carried it over. But whatever, or it came on cargo or whatever, but they said, if it gets a foothold in America, it will decimate our honeybee population. So not only will I have to worry about COVID, but I can't have honey and lemon whenever I get a sore throat. And I'm thinking, oh Lord, what's going on? It's perilous, it's dangerous. It's overwhelming. It's like one report after another. Now Jesus himself described six things that we were going to be signs of these last days or perilous times that we must protect ourselves against during these times and watch for any symptoms. You know, and I know like you, I'm sure most of us have been reading about the symptoms of COVID and so I... You know, I, I walk around, you know, am I, am I feeling hot? Am I warm? Am I, can I, can I still smell? Oh yeah, I can smell. Okay, I'm still okay, you know, and whatever. And I, I don't have it yet. I'm looking for the symptoms. I'm looking for the words that say, you know, this is uh, it. And yet, Jesus was asked by his disciples in Matthew, the 24th chapter, and you can turn there in your Bible. And he was talking to them. He sat on the Mount of Olives and he said uh, unto them, he said privately to his disciples, they said, tell us when shall these things be? Because he had told them, look, the stones are going to be destroyed up here. This is going to be wiped out. That's going to be wiped out. There's going to be a problem here. This is going to be destroyed. And so, gee, they go, when is this going to happen? What is going to be the sign of this? The sign of your coming and the end of the world. And now Matthew, the 24th chapter, is just full of signs. Talks about signs in the heavens, supernatural signs, earthquakes, and, and all kinds of things, and destruction, and, and all of that going on in Matthew, the 24th chapter. And we have seen all of those. And amazingly, our society will write uh, in terms of the, of the Bible, and they will say an apocalyptic plague of locusts has hit Africa, and they call it apocalyptic, meaning uh, from the Bible, the end of the world, the signs of the end. And I don't know if they're trying to say, well, actually, you know, it's not happening or what, but 
here was the first sign. I'm going to just go through. There are six of them, and I, I'm going to try to, I, I won't be able to get all six this morning. I'll probably finish. I hope I get uh, part of them done, and I hope I get them all done by this evening. But the point of it is, the first one, Matthew, the 24th chapter, the third verse, they go, when are these signs going to be? The fourth verse, he says, take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. Down on in his writing, he said in the 11th verse, and many false prophets shall arise and deceive many. For they are, verse 24th verse, for there shall arise false Christ and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they would deceive the very elect. Deception. That was going to be one of the signs of this hour. Deception. And we're living in an age of deception. You know, I can sit and uh, put up a toilet seat and put a picture behind it and take a picture and say I'm flying over the ocean and make everybody think that I'm looking out the window of an airplane. And I know it's amazing how you can be deceived in this hour. In fact, there was a program, a TV program several years ago uh, that talked about it was spin something, you know, the age of spin. We don't lie. Nobody lies anymore. We just spin it. We just tell you partial truth. We just tell you enough that it's not really a lie. It's not really true. And that's kind of where we are. We are in the greatest age of spin. And I know you can call it fake news, not real news, whatever. And the and when you read reports and you go this report and this report says this and then this report says this and you go who's lying who's telling the truth who's being real and that's where we are in our society is it's easy to be deceived and and I, I got a blurb on my computer during all of this COVID that beware if somebody calls you up and asks you for whatever your number and they want to know and they're, they tell you they're from the government and they tell you be careful. Don't give out any information. Don't put your whatever. In fact, I got a thing from, I don't remember, Google said you should change your password in these four accounts. Why? So-and-so's been hacked. What are you saying? I'm saying that it hasn't stopped the sense of deception. Paul wrote in Colossians, in the second chapter, he said, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In 2 Thessalonians, he said it like this, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Deceivableness of unrighteousness because they receive not a love for the truth that they might be saved. God sent a strong delusion that they should believe a lie and be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. 
And I understand we're, we're living in an hour that, that is, you know, who is God? You know, is God Krishna? Is he this? Is he that? Who is really God? How do you be saved? I don't think you have to be saved this way. Did God create the heavens and the earth? Or were they the Big Bang? Or what does it happen? What is really ethical? Are there situational ethics? Can you, what really, what does it mean to be ethical? What's the definition of a family? What is the definition of a marriage? Who should be married? Who should be allowed to be married? When is abortion acceptable? When should we allow that? What's wrong with the lust of the flesh? What's wrong with all those things? Because we, you know, what education is essential? You know, we should educate our children and so we should let them know and that we should have this kind of education in school. You know, socialism isn't such a bad thing. Everybody ought to be equal. Why don't we end them? We're being bombarded. And churches feel the pressure because I don't want to be guilty of hate speech. And there are countries that I've traveled to and ministered to and been told before I get there, be careful, don't say anything about this group or don't attack that group or whatever. And I try not to attack anybody, but the point of it being that we don't want anything said that would be upsetting to anybody because in this hour we should just open our arms and accept everybody. And yet, while we accept everybody, we know we don't wrestle against flesh and blood and I don't have anybody as my enemy that I know of. But here's one of the things that we do know in this hour. You need to have a good dose of the word of God and understand what the word says so that you are not deceived by every word, every noise, every news article, every word that comes in your mind is not always truth and it needs to be that if it doesn't line up with this I'm sorry this is truth everything else is a lie and I, I, I mean, I know when you say, well, what education is essential? What does the Bible say about that? Well, read in Isaiah. I put, I, I, I'll, I'll be glad to answer any of these questions if you don't know who is God or how to be saved or did God create the heavens and the earth or what is ethics and what is ethical. I'll be glad to answer any of these questions if you're, if you're bombarded and have too many choices. Isaiah, the 54th chapter says, all thy children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of thy children. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying I want you. I, my children all have a good education. They've gone to gra- college and graduate school and and, and a doctor's degree and all the. But let me explain something to you. There's no education that is more important than understanding who God is and what God has done for us. I understand. Put your kids in the best school, but make sure they're in a pew on Sunday morning or listening to a Sunday school lesson. And they understand where what is really important education in their life. All those other things, sure, it's great, great. But the reason they started reading and writing, you go back to Scotland, the reason they started reading and writing was so that they could learn to read the Bible. Not so they could learn to read everything else. And I, I, I understand. I'm not against education. I, I get that. But mainly, I want my children to be taught of the Lord. What about socialism? Is that okay? It's just, you know, if everybody shared the wealth, and I know our, our society has been bombarded with that this, this election, and yet 
What is that trying to do? What is the basic tenet of socialism? It disregards the word of God. Paul said, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, you reap. Another place, the Bible says, if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. Now, what are you saying? That we shouldn't help, we should let people go hungry and we shouldn't help folks? No, we have a food pantry. We've tried to help. We will help. I understand. We've, we've done, we've bought, we've given, we've supported. But I want you to hear me say the most important thing is that we understand that there is no free ride. I, what God is going to look at, what am I doing? And what am I trying to do? And how am I trying to, oh, what are you saying in this hour? It is not just open season that God has a plan and that plan is found in the word of God. That's what you use to stop deception. If you really want to know what deception, how to stop it, you say, I want to get a hold of the word of God. David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. He said, I will worship toward the holy temple and praise your name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. I Thou hast magnified thy word above thy name. What do you mean that you compare it to the word of God? If you're hearing something, go, now wait a minute. Is that what the word says? Is that really what the word says? Oh, you don't need to go to church. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Hmm, I wonder what the word says about that. Oh, the importance of the family, the body. Oh, I wonder what the Word says. Heaven and earth can pass away, but the Word's going to stand forever. Proverbs said, I want you to know the certainty of the words of truth. Answer the words of truth to them that send unto thee. Sanctify them, Jesus said in his prayer, through last prayer. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy Word is truth. That's why we've been studying the Word of God. That's why we have Bible study. That's why we're logging on and looking at the book of Revelation. And I appreciate all of these young folks that are saying, I want to get into the Word. I want to read the Word. You're at home now. What are we doing about the Word? Ephesians said, in whom after you've trusted, you heard the Word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom after you believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. What are you saying? I'm saying if there was ever a time for us to know the word and read the word. I know we used to have sword trills and we used to bring our Bibles to church and we don't do that anymore because we can just plug it in or we can say, hey Siri, what does Deuteronomy 4 7 say? I get it. But let me tell you something. It doesn't stop. You need to get the word of the Lord in your heart and mind. You need to have a plan to read the word. Oh, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that not is right, not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's the only way to stop deception. Just to know the truth in this hour. The next thing that Jesus talked about. In Matthew, the 24th chapter, the 6th verse, and it says, And you shall hear wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. You'll hear about COVID, and you'll hear about deaths, and you'll hear about dying, and you'll... 
In Luke, he said, men's hearts will be failing them for fear, looking after the things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. According to the statistics, unfortunately in America, the second leading cause of death in children, 10 to 24 years of age, between is suicide. Death at their own hand. Oh, pastor, why? Because I'm afraid. I'm anxious. Between 2000 and 2007, there were 6.8 deaths per 100,000 children. In 2017, the number had risen to 10.6 deaths per 100,000. In other words, almost doubled from 6.8 to 10.6. The recent statistics say in 2019, one out of every three children aged 10 to 18 years have some sort of an anxiety disorder, a 20% increase, many of whom are on medication. It's a stressful world. It's perilous. I want to tell you something. When we get back from COVID, you're going to see the numbers jumping even more. The anxiety, the stress. And the Bible says, Jesus told them, he said, men's hearts are going to be failing them for fear. What are you going to do? Global warming, COVID-19, peer pressure. Questions that I never had to answer. Answer, now children have to, you know, am I male or am I female or am I one of 14 other genders? Or am I fluid? I never, that question, I never crossed my mind. What do I like? What do I want? What do I need? What do people think about me? <laughs> All these questions now that kids are faced with, you say, what's it doing? Increasing the stress, increasing the anxiety, increasing the fear, increasing the sense of, I don't know, I don't know. Oh, you say, what's the solution to this? I want to tell you what the solution is. And I, I understand, I'm not saying you shouldn't get your son or daughter or your grandchild help or anxiety. Man, I'm not, I, I understand it's better to get them help whatever you can. But let me tell you, the best help that they will ever get, Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy the first chapter I put you in remembrance stir up the gift of God that is in you by the putting on of hands for God hath not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind in this hour the solution for deception is the word of God the solution for a spirit of fear is to come into the presence of the Lord and begin Begin to raise your hands and begin to shout and dance and let the presence of the Holy Ghost flow through you. That's what will stop that spirit. The only thing that can stop a spirit is another spirit. And this greatest spirit I know is the Holy Spirit. 
Then you say, well, I'm battling anxiety and I'm battling and I, I, oh, I'm not telling you that we'll do our best and I know there are people that legitimately have had all kinds of spirits and the enemy, but that's the hour that we're living in. He wants to bombard your heart and your mind and he wants to get you thinking about all the things that you need to worry about. Well, let me just tell you something. Our God is still in control. He's the one that flung the stars into existence. He knows my expiration date. I'm not going one day before he said, it's enough unless I act foolish. What are you saying? I'm telling you, God is on our side. Let the Holy Ghost flow through you. Oh, hallelujah. Six of them, maybe I can get one more. 24th chapter, ninth verse. What are you saying? Here he said, 24 9, then shall they deliver up to you to be afflicted and shall kill you and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Boy, I don't like that one at all. Revelation 12th chapter talks about the accuser of our brethren is cast down which accused them before God day and night and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony and loved not their lives unto the death. And persecution is happening. <clears throat> around the world. I don't like to talk about it and we don't do a lot about it, but in, when they wrote in Hebrews and the heroes of faith in the 11th chapter, Abraham and Sarah and Moses and all those people in Hebrews 11th chapter, he comes down to the end of the chapter and says, others were tortured, not accepting deliverance and they obtained a better resurrection. Others had cruel mockings and scourgings, bonds and imprisonment, stones, sawn asunder, tempted, slain with the sword, wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, afflicted, tormented. They were wandered in deserts and mountains and dens, caves of the earth. All those obtained a good report through faith, not even having the Holy Ghost. Wow. Not having received the promise. God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. And I, I understand and I we don't talk about it a lot, but in 2018, there were over 4,000 documented cases of Christians that were killed in 2018 because they believed in a different Savior than wherever they were living. 11 per day. 2019, from the statistics that they have, there's already shown at least a 14% increase. World statistics are one in nine <coughs> experience persecution. We went to Bethlehem with a group two or three years ago to Israel and saw some people that we had met there years ago. They were Christians that live in the Muslim territory and they are persecuted. Nissan brothers. We've met people from China that have been persecuted in their churches, not allowed to go to church, not allowed to worship. African Christians, same thing that we've met and seen. Asian, other parts outside of China. 
Arab Christians, and right now we have a missionary that will talk about the so many <coughs> won't, won't can't tell where, can't tell how they were baptized because they're in Muslim countries, and they just say they had four that came down and were washed, or that you know. <laughs> What are you saying? And you know, you go to meetings and you hear these things. And you say, well, what do we go, we, how do you make it through all of this? And we've never had persecution like that. And we're blessed. We live in America. And yet, mentally and emotionally, we're, we see our kids getting persecuted. And we see other people. And, oh, you're a Christian? Oh, yeah, yeah. You're, we know what you are. If you're a Christian, you must be a whack job. You must be a radical idiot. And we want to talk about how foolish you are. Because if you profess to believe, you know, you surely can't be too bright. And you surely, well, yeah, you're part of the right wing. Oh, no. We, we hear subtle bits of persecution in America. Nobody yet has taken it to, you know, locking us up yet. And I, I don't know that that day will come in America. I hope not. I pray not. But I want to tell you, if it does come to where we are being persecuted and me me mentally and emotionally, let me tell you what you have to do. You have to keep your focus on Jesus because no matter what's going on around you, it is not because you say, oh, I don't know if I can could take persecution and I've had people say I don't know if I could handle it I don't know I don't know if I could either but one thing I do know the only way to make it through it is to keep my eyes on Jesus and say Lord that's what Jesus did in Hebrews he said because we have so many witnesses let us lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience a race set before us look unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame is set down at the right hand of the throne of God consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself lest you be wearied and faint in your minds you have not resisted yet unto blood striving against sin what are you saying? I'm saying in this hour, oh, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you don't understand. I, it's got so many people are so against me and my family and nobody wants me to live for God and, and these people won't. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Why? Because you're going to get bombarded. It's going to, I don't know. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what next week holds. What I do know is that no matter what happens, I know who holds next week. I know who holds tomorrow. Oh, but pastor, I'm getting, uh, you know, people look at me kind of strange and they make fun and they, they have a way of, you know, and you can just tell the look. I've had people try to put shame on you before. You can just tell the look. You walk in and to a store, and maybe you've never done it, but you walk in a store and just the way that the salespeople look at you and the way you're dressed, you feel embarrassed and ashamed. 
Am I out of place? Is this wrong? Am I... This hour, perilous times, we're going to get <coughs> deceived if we can be. And I've seen people that have been in church and lived for God for years and then all of a sudden just go nuts. And you go, you're kidding me. After all these years, after all this history, after knowing what you know, after being raised, after seeing, after, and now you're going to go nuts. You were deceived. I've seen they just lose sight of the word of God. Well, maybe the word didn't really mean that. And maybe the Lord, you know, the Lord wants me to be happy. I've seen people fall prey to fear and anxiety and get overrun in this hour. I've seen folks all of a sudden get hit with, you know, few stressful times in their life and family and few challenges and, well, if my husband or wife would have served God, I would have done better. It's just been too hard, Pastor. I want to tell you in this hour, you're going to get some persecution. Sometimes somebody's going to make fun of you. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Why? Because we're living in dangerous times. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, I pray that you will put this word in our hearts and minds. That we will be armed to know what's coming on this earth. It's a dangerous hour. Help us, God, to keep our focus on you, the word of God, to keep stirring up the gift of the Holy Ghost. Praying through every day through worshiping every day. Why? Because we know there are spirits that are out there that are trying to trip us, trip us up. Bless us. Jesus' name.